On this episode, we're sharpening our teeth and sinking them into two novels, Book Eaters and How to Be Eaten, that will really make you work up an appetite or lose it all together. You know we love a good twisty, murdery, slightly crazy book, and these two definitely did not disappoint. There will be spoilers, so if these two are still on your to-be-read list, we'd follow your candy trail over to another episode. Welcome back to Page Rage. Back, everyone. <laughs> Tech update, Walter from Bright House is not sitting with Kat. Barry, while he tracked dirt all through her house, was able to get her Wi-Fi up and running. So, so far, so good in terms of the tech issues. I know you all were riveted on where that saga was going to end. He tracked dirt all through my house. I was behind him with a vacuum, like Mo from uh, Wally. Aww. I was just like, mm. <laughs> Should I get you a little apron, like a little 50s housewife? <laughs> you could have. I was so angry. I was like passively, aggressively vacuuming behind him. I was like, sir, come on. You know what you're doing here. I'm going to get you one of those little shark <laughs> robots so I could just follow people around and clean it up and Savage can just ride around on it. So. Or attack it. Like Gigi <laughs> do. I'm sure he will attack it. He has a thing for vacuums. None of them like sure. vacuums. Gigi literally goes at it like a little jaguar. She's like. That's the only time Savage lives up to his name is when there's a vacuum in the vicinity. <laughs> it took me a minute to read some of these books, though, I'm not going to lie, but I actually yeah. really liked them. I was very this surprised. This is definitely an interesting episode. So on our season opener, if you guys listen to it, Kat and I were both reading some really interesting and unique books. So we decided we had to make a, an episode about it because they were both crazy. These were like crazy, somewhat mm-hmm. disturbing at yes. points. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen much about but I, these, like on BookTok, on Instagram, anywhere. I haven't either. And I'm kind of disappointed because they are really mm-hmm. good concepts. Like it was very original, especially uh the one you were reading that Yours. i've never read even Mm-mm. thought of anything like that yeah i'm, I'm no. kind of obsessed with it honestly i like finished it i was like this mm-hmm. one's really good yeah it's like what a pleasant surprise absolutely 100 surprise i was like i'm surprised at how much i like this even though the concept was crazy absolutely well let's jump into it so first book up is the book eaters by suny dean and it was released in august of 2022 and takes us into the secret world of the book eaters these six book eater clans literally devour books to stay alive altering their meal genres based on the effect or the information they need for female book eaters however they are caught in between the handmaid's tale and rapunzel as they are fed a diet of fairy tales and nonsense and are shipped out to different families to birth children. Devon is no different as she is forced to bear two children, one a perfect daughter named Salem and the other a mind-eater monster named Kai. We are taken along for Devon's journey as she works to locate a hidden family who has a cure aka redemption for her son and potentially the key to her freedom. Nothing is truly as it seems as we encounter knights and dragons of a very different sort and a princess who saves herself. So Kat, did you devour, savor, or spit out this book? <laughs> when I read these questions, I was like, look at her. She's just sticking <laughs> to the theme. Uh, I enjoyed it. I have to say I savored it. I really did like this book. And I took my time reading it because I didn't want to, you know, I read so fast. Sometimes I completely skip over stuff. And I really wanted to catch exactly what was going on the whole way through. Sometimes I would catch myself going too far and then I'd be like, hold <laughs> up. I got to go back and make sure I'm reading exactly what's going because this isn't like anything I've ever read. What about you? Yes, I definitely think it was a, a saver slash devour. There were definitely parts where I was like, what the hell is happening? And then, but I think overall I mm-hmm. saved it because like you said, there was some world building. It wasn't too much since this world kind of lived right alongside inside of ours, but it, I still wanted to make sure I fully understood what was happening 
what was going on. There really was a lot going on in this book, just a lot of things to digest. So it was definitely a great read, but I will say it just kind of takes a minute to like fully, like I said, digest everything that you're reading. I think what took me the most amount of time was when we were popping back into the families. I was having issues like keeping up with that. But what I loved about this book was the concept was so amazing. And the tiny details, how she like would pull out her quote unquote book teeth, like they had an extra mm-hmm. row of teeth in there like sharks. And they would come out and that's how they would devour the books. I thought that was so interesting. And then she made like a whole different subcategory of the dragons. And for first, I was like, oh, they have Mm -hmm. like pet dragons. Like this is a fantasy land. And then once I read into it, I was like, oh, no, I'm completely wrong. I think the concept was fascinating. I I thought she did a really good job. Stars for concept. I definitely have not read anything like this. And it's even a little bit different than how the summary is on like Goodreads or anything. It kind of describes it almost as vampiric. And I I get it to a point, but this is, I think there just really wasn't words for what this book is. I think that's really the point of it. But yes, I definitely loved it. And it was so, just the way this author writes, I was seeing it. I was Mm -hmm. literally seeing the dragons and how they eat. And I was seeing the book teeth. And I really hope they make this into a show because it would be fantastic. I think sci-fi should pick it up. They need like a really good <laughs> solid show because they've been lagging. Like, they have money because I need, I need money behind this. <laughs> they got to do something. They they might have like struggle on the first season and then like when everything comes in, they could start like revamping things. Sci-fi needs to come back, you guys. <laughs> Poor sci-fi. Get it together, guys. I'm rooting for you. What I didn't like about the book the whole time I was kind of back and forth on the brother Ramsey it's like is he good is he not good is he good is he not good and I kind of was like bummed out when she didn't have like anybody in her corner besides Jero I wish she would have had like at least somebody in her corner like at least one person throughout the whole book and I was hoping that would have been her brother but I was let down about that I, think I was, that was like, kind oh, of the point though Ramsey. she had to figure out a way to save yeah. herself and not depend on somebody else what didn't you like about this book I mean, I would I would have to say just the gender roles and what Devin had to go through. And I just felt so bad for her because these women genuinely or female book eaters, I guess they're not technically women, but they had no idea mm-hmm. what they were getting themselves into. And they truly were just fed fairy tales and bullshit their entire life. So they had no clue what childbirth was going to be like. They had no clue what anything was getting into a marriage. So I just felt really felt for her and what she had to go through, just how innocent she was and so trusting of, of everybody to have her best intentions at heart. And that obviously was not the case. So we had those flashbacks to younger Devin. It, it was not an easy read. Yeah, I found interesting that it wasn't until later on the story that her uncle Ike her dad. was her dad. I was like, what? I was like, you're the only one I there, know. you dick. That's terrible. <laughs> No, yeah, the gender divides were crazy. I actually really liked that little snippet she had where Devin went to the first marriage and she saw Farah, mm-hmm. previous one, who was like wasted mm-hmm. and like a hot mess. It's feel like Devin was like, oh my God, here's my future. Like, this is it. And I like how she added that little snippet in to give it a little bit more. This is how they are after everything and they lose their kids. And she just like completely forgot her kid's name and all kinds of stuff to just probably make herself feel better. Well, I mean, like we've kind of been saying, I don't think I've seen any kind of gender divide like this since Handmaid's Tale. It definitely 
affected my thoughts on just their society as a whole and just how the women were treated. Farrah was interesting, like you said, because she was originally placed at Devin's house. So, and like you said, you see the flashbacks of her when she, when Farrah was, you know, at her house, you see it when Devin runs into her secondarily after she's had her second kid and she is unwell, not holding on and also a lesbian. So trying to deal with Mm -hmm. all of that. So I think Devin got to see exactly like you said, everything she did not want to become in terms of how Farrah was trying to hide her sexuality, how she was dealing with just everything that happened in her trauma. Devin was like, this is not what I want for my life. Like I want to be able to figure out a way to kind of live out loud and take care of myself. I think my favorite part in the book is when Devin snapped back at the husband and he was like losing his mind about having Kai and she finally was like well the male determines the birth like it's your failure and he like lost his shit and I was like that was awesome I love that somebody said that there's so many times in books where you know like that trope of like the man's mad that Mm -hmm. he didn't get a son or vice versa and in my head I'm like you're the one who chooses it it's it's the man it's not us Mm -hmm. you douche and I love that she added that in there I was like yes Devin that was my moment for her her tiny rebellion that was great because they literally have a very medieval Mm -hmm. view of the way that they treat women and men and childbirth and all of that Mm -hmm. I would say the only modern twist on it was the fact that they didn't have to stay married to those people. Their marriages were not typical marriages. It was literally a few years to have a kid, two years of rearing them, and then you're out on to the next one. If you've had two, then you're done. You can do whatever you want. I think just that moment, and then I think he slapped her or knocked her out or something like that, shows exactly how antiquated their whole lives are. But I mean, that was probably my favorite quote in the book, but they had a lot of really good quotes. She knocked it out of the park. The author did. It is fantastic. And I was trying Mm -hmm. to look back at some quotes call out for this episode and I have so many things highlighted it was mm-hmm. borderline impossible it was it was everything from Devin being super sarcastic saying things like that's how it is with princesses shit goes down at the witching hour like I was crying <laughs> to how delightfully naughty how ungirly and unprincess like the idea that vengeance might taste like a particularly exciting book was deeply intriguing like this language is beautiful it is uh, mm-hmm. I truly devoured this. It was just feeding every literary love in my brain reading this book. I actually, I think the reason that I was so back and forth with Ramsey is he also had like a big point <laughs> yeah, of view. Did. And he also had some good uh, lines as well. Like, you know, the whole thing where he got sent to the nights and basically got stuck in a room with a dragon, which sounds awful sure for a does. child. Yeah. And he said, you will never have to fear what you have mastered. Well, that's that what his fine. mentor was talking to him. And he just would say that and then throw him in there with the dragon. And so cryptic and well done. But it, it ended up well Ramsey, guys. He killed the dragon in the end. He slayed the dragon, if you will. <laughs> he just had this image of himself where it was like, oh, this is knightly and ge- you know gentlemanly. And then mm-hmm. he was doing very shady, shitty things in the corner. But that just made me giggle for sure. That's why I was like still stuck on him. I was like, is he? Is he not? Is he? Is he not? Will he? Won't he? Uh, she kept me guessing through the whole way through. So she did well, a great job on that. of... of who he was in the story to Devin because they definitely had a very complicated relationship. They were very close when they were younger. Devin was kind of a little bit of a catalyst for him getting sent away to the knights and dealing mm-hmm. with dragons. But while the the story between Devin and Ramsay is definitely complicated, 
whether or not he's in her corner, out of her corner. I mean, they had a truly twisted relationship from being super close as children to being enemies to kind of frenemies to working together and then having a final showdown. Um, I do think at the the heart of it, had certain things not gone the way they did, they probably would have been very close and probably best friends. So I think they weirdly did still love each other at the root of it, but they Mm -hmm. each kind of had to figure out a way to choose themselves over family. But he was also a huge catalyst for Devin becoming like who she is at the end. And again, with a quote, when Devin is just having this moment where she's just kind of like realizing that she's probably not going to come out of this alive and she's just kind of coming to terms with it. And she basically says, and taking away her options, Ramsey had set her free. So despite him trying to cage her in and make her do exactly what she wanted to do, she found a way to choose her own path, like forge ahead with that. And I think that's that was a, a point with Devin that I really enjoyed. Well, what were your thoughts uh, overall on the portrayal of the mind eaters versus the book eaters? So for those of you who haven't read and just want spoilers, the mind eaters were actually dragons. So it was actually another humanoid creature that we, they were considering to be quote unquote dragons. Yeah, I was surprised that she added that twist in there. And I felt really bad about the whole dragon thing and how they made him kind of like almost mm-hmm. like dogs on a leash. I thought that was wow, you guys are really shitty because these are like yeah. your brothers or cousins or whatever. Like you guys are at this point, like interbreeding because mm-hmm. it's very small. So could you imagine your brother and you're like the night of I couldn't it was disturbing, but it was like really well written and how they came out and they're like what does his tongue look like as soon as they were born because that's how you knew if it was a dragon or not I thought it was very interesting it was definitely disturbing but it made so much sense that that would be an offshoot of a book eater it just worked the mind eaters but Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was so silly because they could have used them for more than just being dragons especially with the fact they had redemption they have abilities that the book eaters didn't have and just couldn't do book eaters can't write and therefore Mm -hmm. they also could not forge or fake or really get any kind of documentation to actually leave where they were born (laughs) like they could never leave england if they were born there because we're in this modern age where you have to have all this documentation they like literally could not go anywhere and that to me is so claustrophobic feeling like i would i would not be okay with that but mind eaters they can write they can do all these other things they can interact with the real world a little bit easier than book eaters could so i just feel like it was a missed opportunity for them if they would have gotten it together they could have definitely had a really good partnership and probably gotten some money for all the families but you know i agree but i think it was also interesting because it the author is actually autistic and so i think this was kind of her way of showing the way that we look at kids you know when they're bored and like do they have all 10 toes Do they have Mm -hmm. all 10 fingers like you know are they functional are they quote unquote normal whatever that is so It's just interesting to see this society's take on those who aren't, quote unquote, you know, the perfect ideal of like a book eater and what they do with everybody else. That being said, would you rather have been a mind eater or a book eater? I mean, obviously, book eating is less disgusting than being a mind eater. (laughs) Um, But I think if I I think if I was a book eater, I would have liked to find a way to make the two more of a symbiotic relationship because I need to travel. I need to literally leave. But I also don't want to suck people's brains out through their bodies. Like, I would not be okay with that as a a being of any sort. So I don't think I'd want to do that. But at the same time, it was also kind of cool that mind eaters could just 
absorb other personalities and kind of be other people in a weird way. I'm kind of intrigued, but I don't think I would want that to be my life. What about you? Honestly, I don't like tongues in my <laughs> no. ear. I don't like anything in my ears. So I would not want to be a mind eater and have the, no. Yeah, no, That that's that's the only, those are my options. I can't stick no. my tongue in anybody's ear. I don't want anybody's tongue in my ear. I'm out. If I was a book eater, I would have been like, I'm going to figure out how to write. Yeah. Like I am going to have have to figure so this out like this is driving me crazy I don't know if I could have done that so and hard. not been able to write I, would have been like, I did I can't love that she figured out that Devin figured out Morse code though and that's how she communicated mm-hmm. with um with with Jero and others but that's still hard because that's still very specific mm-hmm. and you're not able to fully communicate with everyone I was like what about voice to text does that not work <laughs> something is gonna work damn it well speaking of Devin what were your thoughts on Devin just as a main character and what did you think of her character arc as a whole from her flashbacks to where she ended up at the end of the novel I liked her towards the end in the beginning when she was a kid you know being a princess she acted just like a spoiled princess princess. so I love how she arced into like a badass mom who was gonna do anything for love to save her kids Um, I'm trying to remember that quote at the end. She said, like, there is no Mm -hmm. cost for love. Like, I will do anything for it. I will do anything for it. (laughs) (laughs) Little J-Lo action. She was so settled in herself towards the end that she just was so quick to accept, okay, well, this I'm just going to go out like this. And that's as long as I save my son, that's all I'm here for. So I really did end up really, really liking her. What about you? I was very interested when I first started reading this book to figure out how this woman who is like trying not to get carded for buying liquor in this really dark place that she was in came from this little, you know, Princess of the Pea situation when you were kind of flashing back. So I was like, how did we get here? So her journey for me was just very interesting from like what she morphed out of with the typical princess with the long hair and the flowing dresses into just like this badass queer biker bitch that I love Mm -hmm. so shout out for the tall girls loved it loved every minute of it every single time one of her quote-unquote husbands made like some kind of snarky comment about how tall she was I was like you can go kick rocks sir but I did really enjoy her character arc I liked seeing her battles with her sexuality trying to come to terms with that she didn't even know what it was she didn't even know that that was an option Mm -hmm. at first so it was really interesting seeing that journey for her and also watching her very complicated relationship with motherhood because it's not something that she wanted initially. It's definitely not something she wanted to go through again after what happened with her daughter being taken away and how traumatic that was for her and figuring out her own way of being a loving, caring mom and also having to but kind of choose between her kids because Mm -hmm. Kai was a quote unquote monster in their society, whereas Salem was you know, a picture perfect book eater. So she had to kind of prioritize, like, who do I have to get out immediately? And who can I come back for? And just watching her go through that. And like you say, settle in herself and with her decisions. And it was awe inspiring. Like, I just I loved it. I loved her character arc and her journey that there wasn't any kind of, you know, that like meme where the guy has like all the red lines. And he's like, these are the theories. I like that it was just straightforward. She was very straightforward. And Mm -hmm. I can appreciate that. So I also liked her arc on how much she seemed, you know, as a child, you're just all about yourself and oh, let's do this and just want to get into trouble and all that, et cetera, because she knew she wouldn't get into any issues because she was a girl and a book eater. And then how much 
love she had within her for everybody else, you know, for her kids. Like that big arc was really beautiful. I mean, it was just so beautiful because she did everything for her kids. And I thought that was something that was really moving in the way they built her out from being this little like princessy, you know, selfish kid to somebody who will do anything for the love for her kids. So I also I think that. it's interesting the the mother that she was with Salem in the few years that she was with her versus the mom she had to become with Kai because of who he was. Mm-hmm. The fact that redemption was missing because the Raven Scars just like went into hiding and nobody could get it, which affected their entire society. And it was like with Salem, she was still kind of like your picture perfect mom. You know, they were trailing around in the woods and bouncing around in their dresses. And then with Kai, it was a completely different situation of her having to do things she never thought she would have to do, like find him victims because he needed to eat because there was mm-hmm. no redemption available. The way that her and Kai kind of came to terms with each other. I think one of my other favorite moments in this book was later on in the book, Kai's already devoured a few people. He kind of has these like old man tendencies because he like devoured this like old drunken man. (laughs) And and they were kind of coming to terms with each other because Kai was like, I get that I'm five, but I've also devoured like a hundred years worth of knowledge. So I'm not your typical five-year-old. You need to be straight up with me. And they both were just kind of like, listen, we're monsters, but you're my monster. And I just loved that. I was like, okay, Gaga, like I loved it. It was so cute. Like their relationship, it was really fucked up, but it was very endearing at the same time. It kind of scares me a little, but I still enjoy him. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't want to like piss him off. But this definitely brought us to a big conversation in this book, which was the way that it discussed love and how love was shown in this novel. Um, Again, another quote, we're just full of quotes today, but I thought it was extremely relevant. It was, for here was the thing that no fairy tale would ever admit, but that she understood in that moment. Love was not inherently good. I feel like this kind of sums up a lot of what we saw in this novel between Devin and Ramsey, Devin and Kai. How did you feel about the portrayal of love in this? I know we were talking about it a little bit with the little monsters and all that. I loved it. I think that was my favorite thing about the book is the way the author wrote so many different types of love and how love can still be, like I said, not inherently good. It's not always pure and fairy tales and butterflies and unicorns. Sometimes it's rough and you got to do shit things. That's how deep love can go. You'll completely change some of your morals. I mean, the thing she was, the victim she was taking for Kai at some of the points was like, like made me so uh, cringy and uncomfortable because I felt awful. But that's how low she was willing to go to make sure her son was okay, could get through another day. And I think that shows the whole wide spectrum of what love can be. Yeah, she definitely showed the good, the bad, and the ugly of love in this. And like you said, how Mm -hmm. far you'll stoop for somebody that you love. And it was, I think it was interesting the way the author presented the mind eaters too, because at first you're just like, okay, they have to eat people's minds, go send them to like Mm -hmm. the death row people and just, you know, suck their minds out. But then there's like an added caveat where whoever's mind you're eating, you absorb them into you. And so who wants a Mm five-year-old serial killer chasing them around? You know, (laughs) that's... That's not ideal. That's like Chucky. So it was like, oh, it's not as easy as you think because you literally are trying to find good, decent people because not only are they eating these people, but then they are absorbing that into who they are as people. And not every Mm -hmm. mind eater was strong enough to be able to still be themselves and like take pieces of all these personalities and make it their own. Some of them, as we see a little bit later, were fully absorbed by a personality that they ate. Really appreciate the fact that it didn't show the typical cookie cutter 
storybook romance that we see in a lot of other books because it was real. It, this was more real to me than some of the other mm-hmm. things that we've read. I agree 100%. Yeah. Cause love is wanting to smother your significant other in the middle of the night because they take up the whole bed. Like that is real love. I'm sorry. It's contemplating murder mm-hmm. because you cannot sleep. Well, let's hop over to the Raven scars. Let's talk about Hester and her wild ass family. Did you expect that twist when they were going to all be mind eaters? I definitely did not. So a big background plot here is like we said, the Raven scars went missing. They were the only ones who had access to redemption. So Ramsey manipulating Devin was trying to have her hunt down the Raven scars. And that's why she was in the human world and having to interact and having to have Kai eat other people's because they did not have access to redemption and the knights were falling apart and Camelot was in ruins and you know, everything. So when she finally tracked down Hester, first of all, I didn't think she was going to be as involved as she was. I thought she was just like a point person to get to the next point person. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they actually were taken to the Raven Scars hideaway, and then we find out that they were all actually mind eaters, and that's what the big blowout was in the Raven Scar family, I was definitely a little shook. I was not expecting that. Also, her psychotic brother definitely was not expecting any of that. Killock, he was yeah. wild. I was like, "Do you eat a serial killer?" Yeah, they're That's dead. What I, I was like, <laughs> he was not you? okay. But you definitely ate somebody that you shouldn't have eaten. It did not sit well with you, my friend. No, I definitely didn't expect that either. And it was a good twist. I will say that it like picked the book mm-hmm. right back up. I was like, "Okay, we're going, we're going." Oh, we're okay, going. this is yeah. what's happening. I like how when Hester shot. The knights they like crumbled oh, into paper. I really love that. Touch. I was like, I didn't expect mm-hmm. that. I thought they were just gonna, like, you know, explode. But yes, the crumbling into the old paper. I was like, Chef's kiss. This is she yeah. stuck to that theme, and I loved it. Mm-hmm, same. But again, can't you just see this being a show? Like, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I sci-fi. <laughs> I want a budget. We're I helping need you out. HBO Max. I don't want sci-fi. I need money behind this. I really like it. Sci-fi. If you guys pick this up, we want a uh, credit. We will be. We want production rights. Uh, as producers, please. Yeah. Let's make this. Let's make this good. Okay. You are welcome, sci-fi. <laughs> Well, part of the the biggest journey to find the Raven Scars was to find redemption. What do you think redemption actually does? Honestly, to me, it just sounds like an appetite (laughs) suppressant. Like there's, (laughs) I've taken those because I've been on a diet forever. But like, that's what it sounded like. It was like, we're still hungry, but we're not as hungry. And I was like, I was like an appetite suppressant. That's kind of what I got out of it, which is like a pretty simple explanation. It's like a pill, essentially. And it just keeps you from like going crazy looking for that enzyme. So it's the enzyme in the Mm -hmm. brain that they're eating. It's a certain enzyme. So they've just reproduced it and put it in a pill form. So they're eating eating it, but they're not eating it out mm-hmm. of somebody's brain. That's fair. So I, I was feeling like it was a combination mm-hmm. of some kind of appetite suppressant, but I also feel like there was something neurological that was happening too. I don't know. It was very interesting. Some alchemy wizardry was happening. Well, I know you feel really strongly about Ramsey, especially Ramsey and Devin's interesting relationship. How did you feel about the ending and Ramsey's ultimate kind of demise? I don't even know if I can say full on demise. I mean, I knew Ramsey wasn't going to make it. Like there was just no way. He went, he started going to left side like Killock and started getting too high handed in what he was pushing for. But I did enjoy how when Kai ate his mind, he came out and was, I guess, softer and was like, hey, like, Mm -hmm. I forgive you. It wasn't really your fault. And she has like still has a piece of her brother in Kai. So I really did enjoy that she didn't lose him because I think 
I mean, having brothers myself, like they suck like 99% of the time. (laughs) But when you lose them, you lose like a piece of yourself because that's somebody you've grown up with your whole life. I didn't want her to lose her closest sibling because she doesn't have anybody who has a past as far back as he does. So I, I was really happy of how it worked out. Yeah. I also liked that Kai was able to make the decision for himself because Devin was trying to prevent him from making that choice because it was really a final showdown between Devin and Ramsey. Like they were kicking mm-hmm. each other's asses like this way and that way. And mm-hmm. It was intense, but it really did come down to Kai pouncing and, you know, making that final stand against Ramsey. But I thought exactly the way you did. It was nice that she was able to still have that piece of her brother there in a very strange way inside of her child. But it was nice that they still got that moment of closure. I think maybe Ramsey was even freed a little bit. And so it's nice that in some way he gets to to live on. Honestly, in my head, like mind eaters, when they eat all those people, like all their personalities Mm -hmm. are like sitting at a table, like drinking a beer, like (laughs) the priest, the old drunk guy, Ramsey, like, you know, they're just all hanging out. What do you think happened to the Raven Scars? Do you think any of them survived the knights coming in and... I would think one or two definitely survives. I think a couple like mm-hmm. escape out of there. They had so many, somebody's got to get let loose. They're in for a surprise when they realize they're all mind eaters. Mm-hmm. I think the knights were like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> we didn't know you guys got down like that. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, I think they definitely, I think a chunk of them got away for sure. Where do you think the story goes from here? Do you think there's going to be a sequel? I don't know if there's going to be a sequel, but if there is, she's definitely going to going pick up her for kid, Salem. Salem. The biggest mm-hmm. piece of it. Dump everybody else in Ireland and then come back in for Salem. I think it definitely did leave some things open for there to be a sequel, but if there's not, it's mm-hmm. fine the way it was. But I think I think it could be a duology. I don't need I don't need multiple, but maybe two. Well, all in all, I thoroughly enjoyed this novel. As strange as it was, it was just so different in a world of books that feel like we're reading almost the same thing. This one definitely stands out. Um, It touches on everything from gender roles to sexuality and neurodivergence and, of course, motherhood. And I also really loved how the author could talk about all of these things without it feeling like what I consider to be a post-it notebook where you're just throwing up every single theme and trying to put it all in one book. I feel like she was able to do it in a really seamless way. So I highly recommend this read. This was a 3.5 for me. Yeah, I recommend it. I gave it a, I think a 3.25. Again, good reads. Give us those increment ratings, please. I did start using Storygraph because I wanted to see what it would do. And they do let you do the increments, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, do they? Oh, that is nice. I got this uh, app that's like a Tinder for books. (laughs) Uh, It is called If My Phone Would Unlock. A bookie call. Okay. Booty call. Mm, Interesting. I'll let you know how that goes. Our second book of this episode came out in May of 2022, and it's written by Maria Alderman, and it is called How to Be Eaten. Have you ever wondered what PTSD some of our favorite fairy tale characters have experienced? Somewhere in New York City, surprising, there is a support group for five women who have experienced some serious trauma in their lives. Bernice, who is in a relationship with a blue-bearded psychotic billionaire. Gretel, who second-guesses her memory of being held captive in a candy house. Ruby, who wears the coat of the wolf who once ate her. Ashley, with an E, 
who is coming off a bachelor high that didn't end in quite the happy ending she was expecting. And Reyna, well, Reyna was a shock. We see these fairy tale characters through modern eyes and realize all these women did not just get exploited by men, but also the media. Ash, did you devour, savor, or spit out this book? Um, I think this was definitely also, a, it was a mix of devour and savor because there were some parts that I was kind of flying through. There were some parts that I was like, what is that happening? There were some parts that I wish I could have spit out that I didn't need to see. Um, so I <laughs> yeah. think I went through all of the above with this, but what about you? I definitely devoured and then savored this book until the very end when that part was the part that I wanted to spit out. But I actually really enjoyed this book and I thought it was such an interesting concept. It kind of gave me the final girl support group vibes but just hearing it about the grim fairy tales like not our fairy tales but the grim fairy tales was definitely something I had never thought of and also a very original idea and I thought she did it pretty well. All right. So what was your favorite part about this book? I really liked Ruby, Little Red Riding Hood. I thought that was a cool, crazy take on that. But honestly, I liked seeing, I always like seeing the fairy tales redone, to be honest with you. And like modern eyes, I barely remembered Bernice as Bluebeard's wife. I had to like go back and I was like, oh yeah, that's that fairy tale. Cause it's been a hundred years since I read that. Um, I think how she made it so graphic and disturbing. I don't know why I liked it, but I did. <laughs> how Bluebeard made all of his victims into pieces mm-hmm. of furniture I and they talked to her, I thought was mind-blowing. I was like, oh my God. It's like, it reminded me of Jillian Flynn. I was like, what is going on in this woman's house? Is she okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was... <laughs> I think, honestly, she was not my favorite character necessarily, but I think what I loved about this book was just Ruby in New York City because I can see it. (laughs) I can just totally visualize this happening. There are some strange, strange characters in the city and oh my God, I could just visualize it. And it was just so funny that she was working at a Starbucks, like (laughs) as a barista, just crazy. (laughs) I was like, yeah, somehow I can see this. It just made so much sense to me. And I just enjoyed how much sense and how real that could actually be. So I think that was my, my favorite part is yeah, these characters in modern times, like, okay, here's how we're really doing. Like it was, it was good. Honestly, I couldn't see this set in no, anywhere it would but not New work. York City and and like that whole because you had Bernice up in like the Hamptons and then you had Ruby over here at a yeah. Starbucks like in with Brooklyn a crazy yeah. person. I'm yeah. like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, New York covered all that. Like, there's nowhere they couldn't be. And honestly, like, if you walked down the side of the road and you saw some chick wearing that, you'd probably just say, Nobody okay, would pay just keep on moving. Keep walk- honestly, you exactly. just keep walking for your own sanity sometimes. You're just like, nope, I'm not. I'm literally not dealing with this today. Mm-mm. And I also thought it was very interesting, like, back in the day, you read it all. It was always the man coming to save you. And it's like, really? The man got them in all these issues in the first place kind of thing. So. And this all makes sense. None of them would be but- okay after any of mm-hmm. this not one of them would be okay nope. functional so nope what didn't you like about this book uh it was grotesque uh so like you it said was. uh the fact that bluebeard literally made his um dead exes into furniture and had plans for each character was disgusting i was mm-hmm. horrified by that and ruby as a whole is just a disgusting disgusting creature I was like, please, for the love of God, get this fur cleaned. Like, I am so <laughs> disgusted and grossed out by this. And then Will, as a as a character, just 
nasty towards the end. Yes, He's just not was, my yeah. – he was not my favorite thing that I've read in a book. So there's just pieces of this that are grotesque. So what about you? I will say it does speak to the author's writing that we could, yeah. like, visualize this so well. Like, in my head, I was like, I don't ever want no. to see this on screen. <laughs> like, this is disgusting. I can't handle – I can't do gore in movies, but I read this and I was like, this is disgusting. And I don't know why I'm still reading this, but it sucked me in I so hard. I will also say, though, when I read that opening, it was – like having major like flashbacks. It was literally like I was reading Final Girl Support mm-hmm. Group. So when it first opened, mm-hmm. I was like, I've already read this. Like, what is happening? Like that first mm-hmm. opening chapter, I was like, okay, we've done this. Where are we going with this? But yeah, I think what I didn't like is at some point, I feel like the author went like a little too far. Like there were some things I was like, we, c- we could have left that, that out. That. Yeah. Like, you could have just used that in a sentence and we would have gotten, you didn't have to like fully describe certain things, like the whole Raina thing. I was deeply disturbed by that. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you guys, like listeners, like if you want to read it. It's only like yeah, a couple it was sentences. Rough. And I was, it was like, rough. what? <laughs> that, at the end, there were types that I was like, so cringed. I was like, well, at least I'm almost done with the book. Like, I don't need to read it anymore. What, like you were talking about, like the final girl support group. Do you think the book centered too much on that? Like it was almost the whole book was about that opposed to the backstories they were talking about? I just felt like I wanted to see them outside of that basement where they were having the support group. I feel like Ruby, we saw her interacting in the world more than anybody else. Obviously, the rest of them, we kind of saw them interacting with the world in their chapters, but Mm -hmm. I wanted a little more. This was a very claustrophobic, like closed book for me. And I would have liked to see more interaction. Like with Final Girl Support Group with Brady Hendricks, you are seeing the support group, but then they're all kind of pushed into this real life situation where they have to navigate their way out, right? This is kind of just ended and there wasn't anything that that really pushed them past where we've seen them if that makes any sense so i would have liked a little more i think i would have liked to see them together on the outside continuing some kind of relationship outside outside of the creepy will dude and seeing where that would have gone I think I would have liked to have seen that as well. Well, who was your favorite character? I think I liked Raina in the beginning because she seemed the most, Normal. you know, <laughs> like the one I like hated that I liked was probably Ruby. Like she was nasty. so yeah. crazy and nasty, but like she definitely gave like some serious hard truths, especially to mm-hmm. Ashley with the E. So I can appreciate that sense but i mean the hygiene alone made me very mm-hmm. uncomfortable I was like, extremely can't you just yes well we all know what how about, you? about ashley's with ease eees so <laughs> not a fan of that spelling of my name i think the one that i was most in oh my god truly ruby was so disgusting like i just could not i could not with mm-hmm. her bernice i was actually really interested in just because that story has always just freaked me out uh bluebeard as a whole and what he did to his wives and so i think that one was one of the most fleshed out i truly feel like bernice and ruby had some of the most fleshed out stories in this book Mm -hmm. and i i was just so interested in bernice and this author just went so far down the rabbit hole with what she had these girlfriends turn into and the ways that they just continued on and the fact that bernice literally brought different furniture pieces to the support group (laughs) i was like are they also getting support here like i was cracking up like it was just so funny and i feel like it just made the most sense that he was this eccentric tech billionaire so then of course his beard was blue his 
signature color was blue. He had this like mega mansion. It all just made sense in that setting. Um, and I just, I thought that one was really well done. The backstory, which I probably found most disturbing, actually was Raina's, like the whole Rumpelstiltskin yeah. thing. That messed me up. Raina, I had such high hope. This is Did crazy. that surprise you or did you see, did you get Rumpel vibes early on? I honestly thought her dad was mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin, but I could have sworn it was her dad. And then when it was like, oh, and I went into the office mm-hmm. and there he was. I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That definitely took me through a loop. That one was really disturbing for me. It was like, ugh, I'm uncomfortable this whole whole time. Yeah, I, I definitely got Rumpelstiltskin vibes very early on with her. I know they were trying to make it very mysterious, but there were just certain things where I was just mm-hmm. like, mm, I'm pretty sure this is going to be Rumpelstiltskin because I was just trying to think about other books or stories that freaked me out as a kid and like what else there could be. And, and that just felt like the, the one that made the most sense. But yes, I think the author took the interaction with her and Rumpelstiltskin a bit too far. There were some visuals of encounters that I did yep. never needed in my life ever. I actually was like really stuck on Ashley with the E because I was thinking like she was a specific <laughs> fairy tale. And, and then I just realized it towards the end, I was like, okay, you were just the fairy yes, tale, like what everybody which thinks it I was. I thought was hilarious. I actually enjoyed that yeah. too, but I like that she actually pulled that in there because that's how it is. The Bachelor is this supposed to be this epic mm-hmm. happily ever after situation. And I love that they showed the end and they're like who is this gross man in this apartment eating peanut butter and whiskey like what is happening who is this human i feel like they must have that moment when they get off the show and they're like oh god you're a real person i didn't yeah. actually enjoy that and he's just playing video yeah, like games a normal dude yeah speaking of being surprised with everything were you surprised about will's true I identity wasn't because i feel like what is his name jake johnson or jack johnson something like that the host of the are you the one, the happily ever after Bachelor-esque show that Ashley was on? There were so many allusions to him. And obviously we know early Mm -hmm. on that Will is not Will. And it was disgusting how he was taking off his like skin Mm -hmm. suit of human and slathering lotion all over himself. They were describing like his greasy keyboard. I, uh, (laughs) like I was, uh, (laughs) so gross. There were just so many parts of this book that there's too many, there's too many liquids that are involved and oh. Yeah, I was, oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It puts the lotion in the basket. That's all I kept thinking every time he did that. I was like, it puts the but lotion in the No, basket. I was not surprised, especially, and it, it started solidifying as soon as we knew Raina was married to him, as soon, you know, as soon as we knew that he was mm-hmm. getting fired and the way that the, the quote unquote Will character was talking about, oh, they'll give me my shot, you know, it's like, who else would be trying to do that? It's so random. So I figured, I actually was wondering at one point if he was Rumpelstiltskin, because like I said, I had very mm-hmm. much figured that Rumpel was coming in at some point and I was like maybe that's him putting on the skin suit and where is he in this book they she like made him a real character without even bringing him in I knew he was probably as will I just didn't I did not expect the meat suit I can tell you that I didn't know what that was but she got me on that one sure did well I think that one of the biggest themes that they all had in common other than extremely traumatic uh childhood just events in their past was the way that the media treated them and obviously spun their stories. How did you feel about the way their stories were really told through media and impacted by modern day social media? It's so amazing to me how women 
get drugged through the mud in media, even though it's the men who did all the nonsense. It's definitely like eye opening. I thought I thought the author did a really good job of making that like a subtle like, oh, and I was married to a psychotic billionaire who killed a bunch of women. But yet I'm the one who's getting on the front page for wearing a navy blue dress to a funeral. You know, it was it was very interesting how the media sees women versus men, which is so sad. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I agree. I think those were some of the standout lines was just showing how the women were portrayed, what the media chose to focus on instead of these men that did such horrific and horrible things, especially in Bluebeard's case, to multiple women. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow it became the woman's fault. And Bernice, because she survived that and happened to wear navy blue, suddenly she was a co-conspirator and she became the evil human. I think the biggest... Um, example of this though was with Ashley with two E's because they spun her as a villain on The Bachelor and mm-hmm. it's not like she had any say in that that wasn't her true nature she was doing what the producers were telling her to do almost like how we were seeing Devin being handled in the beginning where you know she's this princess who thinks mm-hmm. everybody has their best interests at heart and then you realize that okay maybe you got the prince at the end but it's not really how you think it is and definitely having to deal with all that media attention of her being a villain at the end was not not what she was expecting. So I think that was the best portrayal of how awful media can actually be and your perception. Also, when they did Ruby and she was a child and the oh, guy, you know, that whole thing. And then they were saying the clothes she was wearing was too provocative. And I think she was like 14. I felt I so bad for her. I think one that they could have gone a little bit harder on was like Gretel. I don't think they gave her mm-hmm. any of what they gave to the others. Like, I just didn't feel like her story was as fleshed out. It was just kind of like she was there and it made sense for her to be there. But there was more that could have come out of that story than I think we actually got. I agree. If you could have traded out Gretel, what princess would you have, or not princess, would you have flipped in there? So this probably was also impacted by the fact that we also read Book Eaters, but I loved the story of Princess and the Goblin growing up. There's a really terrible Mm -hmm. animated movie even about Princess and the Goblin that I used to watch over and over and over because I just thought it was so fascinating. And it's not that well known, but I think I would want it to be something else that you kind of know about it, but it's not as well known because, you know, I don't necessarily want to see a support group of Mm -hmm. like Ariel and Snow White and Belle and Sleeping Beauty and all that. So to keep with the obscure ones, it would be Princess and the goblin honestly i thought i would have liked to seen one of the villains in i would have liked to seen ursula pop in <laughs> she signed a contract i want the villain support crew and i want i want that <laughs> justice for them they're my favorites mm-hmm. well between final girl support group and how to be eaten which support group of women do you think would become the og final girls if they had a showdown final girl support group, hands down. <laughs> there's no way ashley with the e would have lost it she would have been oh, first one out ruby ruby might have i think ruby, ruby would have <laughs> gotten absorbed the final ruby. girl support group like she was yeah. fucked up enough to just join them reyna did remind me of uh yes. marilyn and yes. fun like mm-hmm. they, they would have like, been, been like we'll just pay for the rest of you like just it's fine gretel would have like yep. faded in the back yep. nobody would have even seen gretel go but the first person who would have like came out swinging i mean michael mm-hmm. myers his sister she would have taken everybody down like single-handedly like no problem oh my god and then we could just throw Devin into the mix from book eaters and she'll just be like now you have a real problem 
<laughs> yeah. I'm trying Between to get these two, which one was your favorite if you had to pick one? I gave How to Be Eaten a 3.75, I think just because I don't know why, but it's kind of hard to choose between the two because I think both concepts were both so original and I've never like even thought to read anything like this. And I guess it depends on my mood. Like I was definitely in like a horror mood and How to Be Eaten really rocked that out. I can't read How to Be Eaten. No, I think I'm good. Yeah. Book Eaters, I could probably read a sequel to that. I cannot read that. (laughs) So I guess I would have to go based off of that Book Eaters. Yeah, I think Book Eaters was my favorite. Uh, How to Be Eaten, I gave it three. Like it was still, it was still like a really interesting, good read, but there was just some more that I wanted from it. And there was definitely some things I did not want from it. So um, it was definitely a, a unique read to be sure. But Book Eaters was by far my favorite. If we go on like what we want to see on screen, I, I never, never want to see how see to it. No. on screen. Mm-mm. Ever. No, thank you. No. All right. Well, we want to hear from you. Did you devour these books like we did? Email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or DM us on Insta at pagerage underscore podcast. And of course, As always, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network.